much time do you want for your progress? progress, progress. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Clatter Chatter on Things That Matter, the podcast that is intellectually engaging, theologically reflecting, encouraging sociologically, imagining ways in which we can live. Thank you for spending this short amount of time with us. We promise you that you will not regret a moment of it. Shout out to Trevor Smith and V.J. Herbert for commissioning this fantastic music to get our minds going on things eternal, positive, and fulfilling life's purposes. All right, Dr. Hayes, how you doing today? Pretty good. How about yourself, Dr. Cooper? I will not complain at all. Today is Thursday, October the 26th, 2023. We have a Speaker of the House, finally, uh, from Louisiana. Interesting character he is. We'll say a little bit more about that. Had um, an horrendous mass shooting in a state that was listed as one of the safe states, predominantly white state, but there was a mass shooting last night. I got a lot to say about that too. But Dr. Hayes, I got something I want to share with you, something that I heard that was intriguing, and I'm going to see if I can do a screen share and let this rest in your soul, and we're going to talk about it, okay? Just stay tuned. Give me a second. I believe it's going to work because we just tested this thing out, and so here we go. And everyone today who is rallying behind Israel is going to lose. I mean, obviously they're going to lose. Because rallying behind Israel just shows that you are still stuck in this old colonialist, imperialist, racist, western supremacist mentality that the entire global south rejects. And frankly, not just the global south. I mean, there are huge numbers of people in the west itself who reject this. The majority of people on earth reject this. So you see, you're showing the whole global south, you're showing the whole world that you can't change. That you're the same as you ever were. I think the west and America America in particular needs to understand that the whole world is seeing you for what you are. Your stance on Palestine makes it starkly obvious to everyone that you are not actually mature or developed enough to deserve a leadership role in world affairs, and certainly not in the affairs of the global south, certainly not in all of the countries that have been your victims all these years. I mean, there's no repentance on your part. There's no contrition. There's no moral improvement or change in you. You are exactly the same people who wiped out the Native Americans. You're the same people who regarded Africans as subhumans. You're the same people who murdered hundreds of thousands of Japanese civilians in a matter of seconds at Hiroshima and uh, Nagasaki. You're the same people who dropped napalm on civilian villages in Vietnam. I mean, on and on. Nothing changes. And nothing exposes this today more than your stance on Palestine. Nothing demonstrates that you have not changed or developed in centuries more than your shameless support for Israel. And believe me, you're alienating the whole planet by this. When you back colonialist Zionist violence against the Palestinians, everyone sees it as emblematic of your whole attitude to the non-Western world, to the non-white world. Everyone in the global south identifies with the Palestinians. Everyone in the Muslim world identifies with the Palestinians. When 
when you declare your support for total war against the Palestinians, when you declare your support for a psychopath like Netanyahu calling for basically a final solution against the Palestinians, well, everyone in the global south gets the message. You are deranged, immoral, barbaric, bloodthirsty, racist savages. And all your talk about human rights and the rule of law and all of that is all just hideous hypocrisy. You don't mean any of it, and you never did. Well, Dr. Hayes. Ooh. Ooh is right. He didn't he didn't he, he didn't stutter, stammer, nor pause. <laughs> Shahid King Bolson said all the things uh in such a profound way that I had to make sure it wasn't a bot. Because I was like, Lord have mercy. This man is saying exactly what I've been feeling. And he put it in such a succinct, I mean, a minute and a half. Yes. Just told it all. And and then you think about, um, he said it, hypocrisy. Um, and, and, and when this the shooting. Colonial the colonial mindset. When he yeah. had this, um, just last night when we had this mass shooting in Maine. And I'm thinking, you know, in aggregate, if we totaled the number of mass shootings in less than a decade, I'd say maybe within the last three years, three to five years, it would be a drop in the bucket to what Hamas is doing. I'm talking about mass shootings as labeled as shooting four or more. Now, that doesn't include your your general homicide. (laughs) You hear what I'm saying? If we just did an aggregate, the number of mass shootings, and most of those incidences have been racially motivated um, when you think about it. And so it's so interesting that we can, we'll, we'll drop that word terrorist on everybody because of our xenophobic stuff, but we won't say it about these, these uh, you know, less melanated gun-toting, even been trained in the military. That's what that man was. He was a, he, they said he was a, a, an incredible straight shooter, target shooter. The way he was holding that gun, I said, this man, he's been trained. He knows what to do. And, and I am just all over the place because sometimes it's just too much to keep seeing this bombardment of, I can't even call it tomfoolery, but this brother said all the things. Come on, Dr. Hayes. Well, I think, you know, there there are a number of, of issues uh, that can be raised as a result of what has happened. But I think that we, 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 we don't do well by our servicemen and women and those who have seen combat and come back to try and uh, re uh, develop a life uh, in civil society because they have seen a lot on battlefields and they know how to use these weapons of war, mass destruction. And they have mental challenges. Anybody who's seen what some of them have seen needs to have psychological help. And we don't always provide it. 
The other thing is that we allow our service people to be homeless or houseless uh, because they can't live in normal conditions. Um, There are a lot of things, you know, that go into all of this. And that's not to say that the man who did this should not be apprehended and held accountable. But a lot of it is mental um, mental illness and the inability to readjust to so-called civil society. Well, I appreciate that tenderheartedness towards mm-hmm. those who are who have served this nation. Um, and I and I really believe uh, everything that you said is something that we are compelled to do in terms of making sure that our military have everything that they need to to survive. But what's so interesting is that when we are not at war, is there do we even need the military? I mean, really, when you think about it, active military people fare, far, fare better than most. They have access to housing. They have great health insurance. They can buy food off of a commissary that's priced less than everybody else. And then they get a salary, whether it's wartime or not. Maritime, wartime, you know. They're going to get paid a guaranteed salary. But when when they are engaged in these spaces of of the the training and how do you how do you untrain um, those who have been go through this basic training of this is this is how you engage um, and and I think it wrestles with an ethical question about um, if I'm trained to kill and I and I have in my consciousness thou shalt not kill. What the hell am I supposed to do with that? But if I'm to protect, I mean, it's it's so deep. I just don't like fighting. <laughs> I don't like fighting. Well, I, I don't even want to wrestle with sleep, Dr. Hayes. I like, I, mean, I would think by this time we would have ceased our warring madness. What? That yeah. we, we would have found other ways to settle our differences. And also with the insight and the advancement to understand the human need for self-determination. We should already have, you know, really learned all of these lessons. I don't know why we continue to rotate back to this model of, uh, of uh, killing and, and demanding that others live their lives uh, in accordance with the, the life that we have chosen. The only thing I can, you know, really contribute is what I always say. There has to be some money in it. Of course. So in my class yesterday, um, I'm teaching this integrated humanities course. It's a new course for me. And um, I'm I'm loving it because it is a new course. And the students are just, uh, they're giving me life in this particular class. In my other classes, kind of like a low affect but in this particular class we are we are doing a whole lot of of bouncing back and forth because the the whole point of it is um ethics um and, and ethical decision making um and understanding epistemology ways of knowing etc and so i posed this question to the students yesterday about ai 
and I gave the situation. I said, so you've got five weeks left in the semester and you have six research papers to do and you have three of them written. So you got three left. Will you lean to artificial intelligence? And I mean, they opened up a whole can of worms and the conversation was so rich that students like, yeah, I'll do it for idea generating, but I wouldn't, you know, have a, I write my paper. It's just idea generations. And, and they were justifying the idea generations. And I said, but there's no new thought. Actually, somebody has already thought what you're thinking. And then they asked this question, well, what if I put in a sequence of words and my classmate put in the exact same sequence of words and we don't know we're doing the exact same words and AI generates these papers that are identical, then what? We're not cheating. We've just generated these ideas from AI. I said, I'm loving it that you're wrestling and engaged with this. Then we move from artificial intelligence. And I said, we've been moving towards this AI stuff for a long time, even with your hands, with the automated uh, soap dispensers, et cetera. That's AI. And it's actually populated based on racial profiling. So if you think about it, Dr. Hayes, how many times has it taken you a little while to get the water to work? It's because it's populated to white people's hands, not black people's. But if you turn it on the inside, it'll lickety split. Come on. Sometimes you just got to be fanning and fanning and fanning. Then you say, well, hell, I'll have to wash my hands because I can't get no soap. But anyway, that's the racialized component of AI. So we moved from that. to. So I said, we've always used AI. We just didn't have this in our lexicon when it has grown into this monster, so to speak. And I said, it still doesn't have a soul. We're the human input towards this intelligence. But then I moved on. So they were thinking, and I was surprised at myself. I said, okay, Lord, I see how you help me teach this right now. But then it hit me as we were going through this ethics stuff, and I did this African concept, and then this Asian concept. I did the African concept of Ubuntu. You know, I am because you are. And this whole notion that we are connected as a uh, uh Human, humanity, humanity and our kindness, our compassion towards each other resonates. And AI can't feel Ubuntu. Neither can AI understand the concept of namaste or vanakam. I honor the divine in you that's also in me. I said, but the thing that I wrestle with, we have these concepts and these are old ethical concepts based on cultural rel- relativism or whatever you want to call it. Um, but here's the thing. Um, we have something for the ethical treatment of animals called the humane society. Yet there is no ethical treatment for humans. We need a humane society for humankind. And I hit me. I was like, you can go to prison for how you treat a dog. You know what I'm saying? That's a humane society, but the humans need the same sort of way. Otherwise, we start objectifying folks based on race, based on religion. If I don't see you as as human, then I could certainly consider you an object of my hatefulness. And so I could shoot you or I could lie. I I can create all these lies like we just saw these people from all the king's men and women falling and and confessing their sin. They lied about the election stuff. I mean, it it just it's not an it's like 
Does AI have ethics? Do we have a humane society for humankind? Where is it, Dr. Hayes? I, I don't know a lot about AI, but I, I do I do believe that they have a certain algorithm uh, uh, based on emotional response. And uh, I, I truly believe they will be able to duplicate <laughs> that emotional response. Um, but I think it, like everything else in life, and as long as it's been that way, it's up to the individual uh, to, to decide how they want to interact in the world and how they want to be understood or accepted as a person who has certain values that dictate their behavior. And I think that's the important thing uh, when it comes to choosing anything in life. What what is it that motivates me? What is it uh, that represents the foundation of my decision making? And what is it that I have aligned myself with or committed myself to as the influencing uh, realities of life? And what I, what I don't understand is how so-called people of faith or people who call themselves Christian or followers of Jesus Christ, and they fail to recognize the humanity of others. It's inconsistent. It's, um, I don't want to just call it a straight up lie, but that's pretty much what it is. <laughs> I think you have fair. You, it, hey, that works for me. A lot from the pit of hell. It, it doesn't line up with your profession of faith when you act in certain ways. And so I, I think people ought to be held accountable for, for perpetrating and for pretending to be who they are not. Mm. And that's not to say that we're perfect. Uh, in every way and that we always make the right choices or but the, but the preponderance of evidence related to our lives ought to show that nine times out of 10, we have chosen the higher road. Yeah. And, and it's not hard. It's not difficult because I think that, and this was another part of our conversation about being inherently good. That is, it's our nature. And, and so if, if it's in our nature and it is not nurtured, then we become sociopaths engaging in antisocial behavior because we have rules of engagement, norms, folk ways, more ways. People know how to act, in other words. You know right from wrong, Dr. Hayes. I don't give a damn who you is. At some point, your consciousness, your gut instinct, I call it God, will, will well, tell conscience. you. Yeah, we all have a conscience. Mm -hmm. And sometimes 
we have we have what Paul called a seared conscience. In other words, we have ignored our conscience for so long till it it no longer works. It's like dead. When you sear a wound, you 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 close over the wound until that scar tissue doesn't have any feeling in it. And that's what we have, in many cases, that's be, in, in an attempt to adapt to our world, to our society, we have seared our conscience. And in other words, we closed ourselves off to that inner inclination to do, as you say, to do the right thing. We override it to do the thing that society says that we ought to do. Boy, there's something to scabs, to calluses, and to not being able to heal in such a way that the scar tissue doesn't become how we hurt others. Um, There is a bomb in Gilead. Come on, Dr. Hayes, let's close out here. I still believe it. There's healing for those who want it. And um, I firmly believe that more of us want to be healed than those of us who want to continue to be the perpetrators of hurt and harm towards others. And we need to celebrate that because, you, you know, the news only reports uh those things that do not represent the majority <laughs> uh so when you when you see a news event it is rare it is something rare that has happened and which means that the majority or the better part of the world is good and does have that internal mechanism still activated called a conscience that warms us and softens us to our fellow human beings. It enables us to sit and watch the harm and the hurt and the suffering of others and still cry because you care, because you have a compassionate core that reaches the surface when you become aware of whatever contradicts goodness in the world. And so I think we need to hold on to that reality and don't drown ourselves in the rare occasions when human beings act out. (laughs) So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. I still believe in the goodness of what God has created called human beings. All right, Dr. Hayes. Thank you. Because, you know, I can still go negative. On that note, till we meet again. It has been a privilege, a pleasure, and an honor 
to have you join in with us today. Remember that everything will be all right until we meet again. Stay safe and well.